Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Welcome back. Episode 22. Oh, gosh. We're up there. We're in the the double digits, in the second. Strong in the double digits. Yes, yes. So excited. So how you bossing? Um... It has uh, fine for the most part. I have my health. Um, I have my faith. But I am. It has been a an extraordinarily emotional and difficult time, and I can't even talk in any great amount of detail about it at present. But it has been emotional and heavy and stressful and feeling quite weighty. Um, but there's another there's a there'll be a, another side to it so I'm trying to remain optimistic and it sounds really cryptic I just am not able to speak about it with any level of detail at this point but when I can please believe I will um and I don't even write but I'm like maybe I'll write like a, a long ass blog post or like shit with the semester that I've had I could write a book but uh yeah it has been difficult so just really off the last episode around the black tax and it has it is still tax season and i will that's kind of how i will state that but you know in the grand scheme of things my health and it's fine and i'm fine just really heavy wow okay yeah Yeah, it's been a yeah it's been a lot but how you bossin well, um, Jay-Z and Jay-Z and Beyonce are a billion dollar couple now. So I guess that somehow makes my life better. If they're doing well, I'm doing well. So <laughs> why do I feel like they've been that like forever? I'm like, did we need that announcement? I feel like that was a I just assumed that. I, I mean, I yeah, I thought that was already a given, but I guess it's now official with the reported numbers or I don't know how people are collecting this data, but <laughs> with um their net their net worth worth with all their businesses, I guess uh now it's official. So oh. um when they good, I'm good. <laughs> right. But uh no, uh things are going well. I um just in good spirit. I know I can feel summer coming, so I'm just getting all in my summer spirit. And every day when I walk outside and it's nice and sunny and glorious, I just think about um, the cool things that I have planned this summer. So I'm just trying to get into a mindset of enjoying myself, enjoying me, enjoying the people that I surround myself with. Uh, I'm continuing curating my um my friendship circles and just reevaluating and making sure that I am spending my time in a productive way with people. Um I constantly mm-hmm. have to assess that uh more so around this time just because I think people tend to be even more social and um uh meeting new people um tends to happen a lot at social gatherings um when it's nice out. So um yeah I'm just tr- just trying to continue to be me and um have faith in what I what I offer who I am uh and it, that gets easier as I get older you know it's less about the bullshit um and I care less about meeting other people's um desires or needs or whatnot so mm-hmm. um that's that's really nice where I can just fully be confident in myself and not give a damn what other people think. I can appreciate that very much so. Yeah. I uh, went out to a friend's birthday gathering last night, Friday night in Oakland, uh, which is always refreshing. Downtown Oakland, uh, just that that soulful people of color. Like, there's just so, so much beautiful uh, beauty when I'm with that crowd. And so we were at this uh, bar called The Hatch, and I met some great people. And I look around the room, I'm like, I don't get this in San Francisco all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And they're playing awesome music. They're playing 90s throwbacks, but you're, they're not your usual throwbacks. They're like music that's still timeless. Like they played Sade. And I was like, what? What? Why are you playing this right now? I'm loving this. And everyone's yeah, why not? Playing, right? <laughs> everyone's just vibing well. And I had some great conversations. Saw Cutie. We talked for a bit. 
don't know. So there's just more potential All in right. East Bay. Meanwhile, my evening was spent um, at home, chilling, uh, trying to catch up on Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. So, oh my gosh, Scandal. And some adult bevies, one of which I infused myself, which mm-hmm. was quite delightful. Some grapefruit vodka that has been uh, infusing for the last two weeks and decided to crack it open. So it was lovely. Nice. Uh, scandal. Uh, we'll talk about this at the end of the episode, but I have things to say. <laughs> so. um, I don't know how much you're going to say because I didn't finish. Oh, so. no. Okay. Well, no. So we'll have to table that bad boy until okay. I finish. We'll see. We'll see. To the T T Y P E to the T T Y. I'm petty. So extra. Yeah, I'm petty. I was like, "What in the entire fuck is this?" I was like, "Is something wrong with my headphones? Like, what in the hell?" Okay, I'm back. Hey, so <laughs> nothing's wrong with your your headphones. Oh shit! This week for water cooler talk, we're just gonna talk about pet peeves. Being petty. <laughs> I'm driving this conversation because I feel like I'm probably a little bit more petty than you are in, sit- yeah. in situations. Um, I'm going to concur on that. Not that I'm not, but yeah. What I thought would just be fun, something different to just talk about the things that bother us, but they're like really not a big deal, you know, just a, yeah. those pet peeves. Um, but sometimes we can make it a bit big deal on other people if we want to be petty. Yes. So, um, I had to jot down some notes to really think about this, but we're just going to dive in and talk about this shit. So, do you ever get petty or get bothered by the direction toilet paper is placed on the wheel? Yes, um, because it's supposed to be one way and it's supposed to come out as opposed to under. So, that's not even a conversation. Right. Okay. So yeah. we're honestly, <laughs> I'm like, so there's, there's nothing to be petty about in my household. Cause we have an understanding of like, this is how toilet paper is supposed to go. Right. Well, you know, sometimes I'm in a public restroom or sometimes um, even in my own apartment, you know, I have a roommate and I'll find the toilet paper in the other direction. So I have to keep switching it back. Um, it, one direction, this is not deba- debatable. It has to go over because that's just the natural flow of, of the paper. Yeah. You know, you're not going to bend your wrist and try to get, you know, get the paper from under. It doesn't make sense. Yes. Um, now that you've said like petty things and pet peeves, now I have a thousand of them in mind. Yes. Okay. I knew you would. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for example, can I, I'm going to just go ahead and go with one. Um, people who loud chew or chew with their mouth open. Um, and I, I'm one of those people who's like, like I, if I can hear you chew, even if your mouth is closed, I'm like instantly annoyed. And I question your home training, um, which is probably a little bit extreme, but I'm like, I don't want to hear any of that, nor do I want to see any of it. So please and thank you handle that. If um, I'm, if I can visibly see someone in the room or whatnot chewing loudly, I'll, I'll, I'll give them a death stare. I'll just look, tilt my head. I'm just like, really? We can, we can hear you a mile away. Yeah. Um, also kind of related to that, I, I also get bothered when, um, unless you told me beforehand on the phone call that you're eating, um, people who are just like chewing and making a noise <laughs> over the phone. while you're talking to them. I'm just like... Ugh, this I I'm hearing every crunch, <laughs> lick, <laughs> the spoon hitting your mouth. Like I don't want to hear all that mm. when I'm talking to you on the phone. Yeah, um, I realize like mine are all over the place. So I'm just gonna jump through. If you feel free to chime in on yours. Yeah, but I will. Um, so I know you said you have a lot of plans for stuff for the summer, as do I. One thing that is a pet peeve, and that I'm always like get the fuck out of my way is when I'm at the airport trying to go through security and people act like they don't know what to do. Mm. Like, we have had these rules in place of like, 
taking off your fuse, taking off your belt, pull your laptop out of the bag. They've got it broken down into words and pictures. And even when you, um, it's just, I feel like it's such a common thing. And I'm like, how many people are actually first time flyers right now? And if they are flying for the very first time, I would envision that you are looking at the rules and all of these posters that you pass as you're in the security line, if not minimally looking at the people in front of you and being like, oh, they're doing this. Everybody's doing this. Maybe I should go ahead and start and like undo my belt and untie my shoes. And I see people taking their laptops and electronics out of the bag. Perhaps I should follow suit instead of getting to the front and being like, oh, I forgot this. Oh, I forgot this. I have to take this off. If you don't get the entire fuck out of my way, I know what I'm doing. Like I need there to be a separate line for like people who have flown zero to three times because I'm assuming that you don't know what to do when you get to the front. I think that's a great suggestion, having their own line. I mean, I am, I have this down to a science. Like I'm waiting in the line. I'm already taking off my belt, my shoes, anything, or I don't even right? walk into the line with anything that I would have to take off anyway, right? I just, yeah. I'm ready to go, pull out everything, the laptop, my uh, three by three by three um, toiletries in that, yeah. that bag, I put it away. Um, I also I'm damn like near people... naked by the time I get to the front. I'm like, okay, let's right. rush because I'm cold. So I don't have no shoes. My belt is, my sh pants are falling down a little bit. Come on. Right. It's like, you don't even have to tap me. I'm butt naked, ready to cut. Right. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> and also people who make it a business to be mad about something about the process. It's like, you knew if the TSA agent is yelling at you or asking you to do something, don't sit there and try to make an argument like we know you're about to miss your flight but you should have gotten here earlier don't inconvenience right? us because you're in a rush um don't uh if they take something out of your bag like uh, it's food for your grandma you should have known <laughs> what you can bring and what you can't bring so just just get through the line just let's let's uh, get through our business yeah well even with some people that i see like i know that they're about to be stopped or i know that they don't have something like in order to save myself and expedite my own like passage through um, this invasive x-ray, basically, because um, at the airport up here, you know, most of the times you're going through the thing and you have to put your arms over your head. I'll like tap somebody on the shoulder and be like, you need to go ahead. They're going to tell you to take off your belt. Go ahead and take off your belt. They're going to ask you to take off your hat. Go ahead and do that so that the rest of us can go through too. So I'm like, let me give back to society by being like, you're going to fuck this up if if I wait for you to have somebody to tell you, go on and do that over to the side. Um, but yeah, that since, is, yeah. Since we're on the topic of airport, because I have a long list of airport things, um, I hate it when uh, you're at the gate, they're calling numbers or letters or whatnot. You're like the last letter. I think usually they uh, start with like, let's say it's E and they work their way up to A or something like that. If you're the last letter of the last call, why are you just like all the way up at the front waiting, <laughs> taking up space to board the plane when you still have to wait like probably 20 minutes to get to your spot? Like what, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Right. And you have an assigned seat. So it's not like it's first come first serve. You have an assigned seat. What's yeah. standing with, you know, two heavy pieces of luggage with you and taking up space for the people who are trying to get on the plane. Yeah. Well, who, first of all, what airline are you flying if you can take on two pieces of luggage? Well, I, I'm, I'm like, like, that <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like what? why would you want to carry that stuff or hold that stuff with you? I, I'm sitting down. I'm going to wait until um, at least it's the letter uh, right before me to board. Um, but if you have assigned seating, like, what, why are you worried? What are you worried about? You know, I think people are honestly worried about, um, and I'm annoyed by that as well, because I'm like, it's not your turn. Sit the hell down. Um, I think it's people who are trying to, like, claim their space in the overhead thing. If you don't have to pay for the overhead thing, which I think some airlines do, but I don't buy any of those at present. Um, oh, okay. That makes sense. Trying to jockey for space up there. But I'm like, there's, I don't need your, like, flimsy little coat, because I'm probably, if I have a carry-on, I'm smashing your coat. Because it's taking up unnecessary space. Like, hold your coat. Slash, rarely am I going somewhere where it is going to be cold. So I'm like, why do you have this big-ass coat anyway? Sit with it. Sit on top of it or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm almost certain it's to, like, get in there and get there, whatchamacallit's base. 
or like people who like to bully the the armrest. And I was like, no, I guess we just going to be, we might as well link arms because you're not going to get this whole thing. I don't care if you were here first and I come in a little bit later, this is my seat and we're going to share this armrest. So, yeah. Um, another thing too is, um, I, I guess I don't understand. Well, no. Okay. So I can be, one time I can really be petty is let's say the flight is full and the flight attendants are, um, anticipating that the overhead baggage areas will be full. So, you know how sometimes they'll ask people, uh, while they're waiting, like, oh. check your bag, like, please yeah, check gate your bag. Check. Yeah, gate check, you know, it's going to be free. Um, you don't have to worry about paying. But I'm petty. I'm like, no, I am not checking the bag. I'm keeping this with me. I look around. I'm just like, nope, won't be me. <laughs> I don't care. I'll find a way. I'll find some space to put my bag in the overhead space. I'm, I usually never check my bag. Well, you know, it's funny. I wait until, like, I will take, like, some sort of carry-on size bag. But I'm the first person to be like, oh, you want to check it for free? You got it. Here you go. I will go up. Like, once I get through security, if I have a bag, I'll be like, do y'all need people to gate check? Because I'm like, that's $20, $25 that I'm not spending at the, um, like, when I check in for my flight or when I get my boarding pass, if I have to get, like, a paper boarding pass. But I'm I'm the first person. I'm like, do y'all need people to check their bags? Because I don't want to fool with this on the flight at all. So, yeah. Um, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say one of the ways in which we differ. I'm like, I'm free for the hustle because I'm not going to pull the bag out during the flight anyway. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so I'm on the plane. Some other things um, I don't like, um, crying children. And I feel like some of these parents, I'm like, don't you know how to quiet them at this point? Like, do your job. Like, sometimes they just sit there and just let the kid cry. I'm just like, do something. I'm so tired. <laughs> I want to sleep. Yeah, I think this is another way that we will differ amongst the, that. I have flown with kids and or babies. And none of them were out of control. Um, but, like, I went with my family last year to Hawaii. And we had two little ones, both under three. Let's see. Uh, no, one was three and one was almost two. Um, but it was really, and there were there were eight adults. So like we, they were plopping from lap to lap. But if you are, I can I can empathize. Um, although I don't always have an appreciation for like the crying baby or the like fussy baby. There's unfortunately sometimes like babies are going to be babies. Sometimes they are difficult and can be assholes. And when they want to cry, wake up, poo, be noisy you know, be fidgety. So there's, there's a piece of that I, that I give parents uh, in that situation. You can't always, like, it's nice to be like, I'm going to control my baby and like, maybe I'll give them like cough. I don't know if it's appropriate to give baby cough medicine if they're not coughing, but um, (laughs) I was like, like, don't, (laughs) don't give them brandy, but, um, but yeah, I, I can, I can empathize not having kids, but having flown with kids. I'm like, Sometimes they're just difficult. And no matter what you put in front of them, like electronic device, book, toy, game, they're just like not having it. So while frustrating and can certainly be annoying, there's a piece of me that's like, I don't want to be you, but I can empathize with you. Parent with annoying kid. Um, I don't like people who take their shoes off (laughs) on the plane. Um, no, 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 because I, no, I don't know how your your feet smell. Exactly, and most of the time, the these people, specific people, mm, yeah, they, they, it always smells. I'm just like, who are you? I don't know you like that. Like, put your damn shoes on. What is this? Well, you're not at home. Like, you're getting too comfortable. Yeah. Um, like you're on the flight. We're gonna be off of this in a few hours, so I think you can manage, like, as an adult, to have your all of your clothing on from top to bottom. Maybe take off your hat. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of that at all. Or people who put their feet up on the, like, so if I'm in row six and then somebody in row seven behind me puts their feet up on my armrest and I usually like to sit window, they will put their feet up on like the right hand side. If I'm sitting on the right hand side of the plane and I can either like their either their foot touches me, their shoe touches like the back of my arm. I'm about ready to raise holy hell. So I'm like, if you don't stay in your fucking seat that you have paid for, because right now 
you're infringing upon my seat mm-hmm. by first of all being nasty and putting your foot up on the armrest and second for seeping into my seat this is not yours so i feel you on that one or people who recline their seat way too far and i don't even know why they let some of these chairs recline like that but if i have my laptop or something in front of me and you're just constantly pushing the seat back. I, I'm like, I, I put some pressure back up so it, it, the seat goes back up. I'm just like, yeah, just don't have some courtesy with the space thing. Yeah, well that and in addition to like the seat too far, the putting the seat down too soon. I'm like, we haven't gone anywhere yet. <laughs> like, where's the safety video? You ready to go to sleep and they haven't gone through the other stuff. Like. At least pretend to listen and wait until we like get in the air before you lay down in my damn lap. Right? So, yeah. All right. And you know, like low key. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's oh. one more I have. There's low I key. And this is why I try to like be mindful and as best I can pick where I sit on a plane for this very reason. Um, and some places are, some airlines are charging to like if you want to pick your seat before. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, but anywho, talk about the haves and the have-nots. I just, I bought a seat on the plane. I have to buy a specific seat, um, but that's not the pet peeve. People who wait till, like, they get on the flight, and I understand sometimes you can't wait, and sometimes your body, like, is like, no, I must do this now. But it's like, I feel like there's sometimes people intentionally wait to get on the plane so they can take a shit in the, the plane bathroom and, like, stank it up to be damned, and then go sit down, like... Who does that? Wait, I'm wow, never... like I'm telling you, I'm like, did you did you not have to shit this whole time that you were waiting at the airport or at home? Like, I'm like, think of the rest of us, like the logistics of right. this. Like, we're in a closed and tight space, like, and you shit knowing the air ain't gonna go nowhere, knowing you gotta open the door, and there's probably gonna be a line of people waiting to go to the bathroom. Right. Like, you rude son of a bitch. Like. I'm making a safe face right now. I'm like, as if I can smell it. It's just like, "Mm, no, you are. And it's always like the most heinous, penetrating smell. It's not like regular, you know, excrement, if you will. It's like the heinous, like they have had an issue the night before and they're like, well, the time is now. I'm like, do something to rid that of yourself for the duration of the flight. I mean, oh. if you have a lot, especially an international flight, like I, I watch what I eat and uh, what beverages mm-hmm. I consume beforehand. So I'm, I'm not one to really like to use the, um, e- even if it's a, you know, well, I never number two on a plane, but number one, I rarely do. Um, I, I try to hold that for um, long flights. International flights, that's of course hard to do, and I'll obviously use the bathroom. But I, yeah, strategize, like be smart. Um, well, you know, this is super random when you said number one and number two. I wonder if other, like, how many people use the number system for, like, going pee versus, like, going poo? Oh. I know that's hella random. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, okay, so my mom's a nurse, so I have naturally always incorporated that into my uh, conversations with uh, either strangers or people I don't know really well. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I guess I don't really talking uh, talk about uh, pooing and peeing a lot with friends, so I guess Me I don't really even know how to describe it. Yeah, but I just was like, who, I wonder how pe- other people use like going to, or they just say going to the restroom. I have to use the restroom, or like, anywho, that was okay. random and completely unrelated, and I'm okay with that. I have one more plain one okay. that's annoying for me, annoy, annoyance for me is. The plane lands. We still have twenty minutes or fifteen minutes of taxiing, and as soon as the ta- uh, as the passengers hear the plane um, kind of power down, everyone unbuckles their seatbelt, get up, like <laughs> ready to exit. I'm just like, you're all the way in the motherfucking back of the plane. Even when we do get to the gate, you still have to wait a good ten minutes to get out. So what are you doing? Right? Don't don't try to encroach my space when I'm gonna get off the plane way before you are so it, it's just like i'm fine with taking the seat belt off but don't be getting up getting your baggage and all of that stuff it's so unnecessary right? doing the most you, you might literally get dragged like oh boy from the what is that the united flight so be careful <laughs> right um okay another outside of the the plane thing um i don't th- I, this probably doesn't happen 
with you a lot, but you know, I go to social gatherings um, and I'm not gonna know everyone intimately. I'll may, I may um, have some friends that I, or acquaintances that I've seen um, here and there, but do you ever uh, see people um, greet each other and they do that very high pitch, hi, oh, hi, like it, their voice just naturally goes up and it's just this very fake impersonal greeting? Um, you're right. I don't go out that much to be able to pay attention to that. I'm like, I don't actually know. So I can't, I can't fully relate to that, but I can hear the phoniness in it. Yeah. And it's just like, so if we all really don't like each other, why, why are we doing this? <laughs> but it's just this very common, uh, women do it a lot too, where it's just like, they, uh, their, the pitch of their voice goes up and then they draw draw out the, um, the hello or the hi. <laughs> and I'm guilty of doing this sometimes too, but when I'm not the person doing it and I'm just the observer, I'm just like, these fake ass bitches. Yeah. Well, I think that is, um, that falls in line with me when people are like fake and when they see somebody they haven't seen for a while and they're getting ready to like depart, they do the like, oh my gosh, we should totally get together. Like we should totally grab drinks or lunch. No one damn well, you're not going to do it. Um, which is both a pet peeve of mine and a, I think it's petty for people to say because they don't mean it. But it's always like, oh my God, it's totally great to see you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's totally hang out. <laughs> and then there's nothing at the end. And I was like, just say it was like, it was really great to see you. Take care. And like, end it there. Don't do the fake, like, we should totally get, grab drinks. Yeah, let's get, here's your number, like, your number, da, da, da. Oh, like, hit me on a message on Facebook. Or, and I'm like, but you're not going to get together. Like, you're not going to follow through. So don't even go through all that extra shit to be like, we totally should. Um, so that's you know probably how, part of the introvert in me, too. That I'm like, I'm not going to, like, commit to something that I know I'm not going to do. So I'm getting better at that, I should say. The follow-up is... Uh... A huge um, pet peeve of mine because I, you know, when we talked about friends and um, I admitted that I am the initiator, I will always follow up and plan something. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate people. I hate people who um, just say, "Oh, we should totally hang out," and it's radio silence from them. It's yeah. like we'll do something. It's like, yeah, right. Why, why don't we ever hang out? I'm like, well, why don't you ever plan anything? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, because it sounds good, and I have a few friends who like. Like if we're in social settings together or go, we'll go to a mixer together or something and they'll be like, they'll like chat it up with someone like, and by the end of it, they'll be like, we should totally get together. Yeah, we should plan that. Okay. Have a good night. And I'm, and I'm always like, why do you even say that? Because it becomes the same conversation. The next time you see them, we totally should get together. Cause you didn't do it the last time. So stop saying it. Like you don't mean it. And you're not going to follow through. Yeah. That's certainly a pet peeve. <laughs> Tickets on my last nerve. Mm. Um, I have a question for you because you're a dog owner and yes. I'm not a dog owner, but this is a huge epidemic in San Francisco where there is too much dog poop on the ground. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, how do you own a dog and you just let them shit and don't pick it up? And I'm constantly having to look where I walk because it's like a dog, it's a game. You got to dodge the bullet, dodge the poop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you don't step on it. And I'm, and when I walk around, I want to look up and look at people. Um, do you have any insight on this? No, because I think those people are rude and disrespectful. I am 100% like the person who um, picks up their dog poo. Um, and for the most part, my dog, because he's been quite sick recently, so he can't, we can't like take him on long walks or whatever because he's got congestive heart failure. So we have to be really mindful of that. And that's kind of a new thing probably in the last few months um, that he's developed. It's probably over time, but he can't go like for long walks because he, he will be like extremely tired, like really quickly. Um, so he goes poo in the same, like the same three spots outside the door. Um, and I am a faithful, like, I don't want to step in dog poo, nor do I want to see it. And nor do I want my dog to step in it because he's not going to know any better. So I... I'm super annoyed by those people. And when I see those people out, I'm just like, because I'll see people walking and their dog will like take a squat or something. And I'm just looking at them. I'm like, and I've done it before. I've been like, are you going to get that? Did you need a bag? 
um, with like the strongest side eye because it's rude as hell. So I'm with you on that. Like if you can't keep clean up after your dog, don't take them out in the world. Let them shit all over your house or whatever the case may be, but don't bring them out here to shit shit on the rest of us, literally. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, another pet peeve of mine, and it became a recent one. Uh, people who talk on the phone in the bathroom, like you're in the stall, you're clearly shitting, and you're having a full-blown conversation. And I've only um, ran up to, you know, ran up on this twice. But it's just really awkward for me. I don't know. I just view the bathroom as a a private place. No one's talking. Wait, wait, wait. This is in public? Yeah, in public bathrooms. Oh. Yeah. It's really, one, it's gross because you're putting your nasty hands on your phone uh, while you're yeah. shitting. And it's just like, I, I don't know, the bathroom is, it's a public bathroom, but we have stalls. We're doing something that's very human, very, um, uh, something that's done in a private space. And you, you kind of break that fourth wall when you talk in the bathroom and it just ruins any kind of privacy that you're looking for while you're in the bathroom. So I just find that very strange. Yeah. Well, first, I'm a bathroom talker. Like if I know, if I go to the bathroom with someone then I will talk to that person in the bathroom, but in terms of being on the phone, like in a public bathroom and talking on the phone, no, no, no. Yeah. No, I'm, I I'm, do cool. That. I'm cool with the, yeah. If you meet someone that you know and you know, <laughs> I'll talk to them. I, I'll usually keep it yeah. short because I also find it awkward to be at a urinal and the conversation's still going and we're looking at each other. <laughs> Unless you're like my yeah. best friend. Um, I I, I kind of keep it short because I'm like, okay, we, we both have our dicks out. <laughs> like I feel really awkward <laughs> continuing this conversation at a urinal. Uh, but this is like in a very public space yeah. uh, at work or like, uh, anywhere that's supposed to just really be uh, a little um, impersonal. Yeah, well, that and that is a, I don't experience that because I do not use a urinal. Um, and most, but not all of the folks that I know who are women, women or female identified, don't use urinals. And I'm not going to say all because some very, mel- very well might um, for a variety of reasons, which have none of my business. Um, and for the most part, in women's, like a traditional women's restroom, quote unquote, there aren't urinals um, because they're not like a gender neutral restroom. Uh, so there's not a point where I'm looking at anyone's dick, if you will. Um, <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> I would hope not either. Um, and I probably, if, if it was there, I wouldn't be looking anyway. So say if I was in a gender neutral bathroom, I'm not, I don't use a urinal. So there's not going to be a point at which I'm standing at a urinal, going to the bathroom, looking over at someone else's um, uh, personal parts, just because I'm usually in the stall. Um, I get that. I can't fully relate, but it makes absolute sense. And not that I haven't gone out somewhere and like been like at a gay club and like the women's line is too long. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm going into the men's restroom and they're using urinals and I'm using the stall. I'm still not looking over to be like, what's going on in there? I'm like, I'm there to go pee and get on out. Um, so I certainly have been in men's restrooms where men are using the urinal and they don't give a damn because they're like, neither one of neither of us want the same things from each other. So uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> use the restroom as you would, sis. Um, so yeah. That uh, seems to be awkward and uncomfortable to say the very least. Uh, do you have another one? Um, uh, not at present. Do you have one? Yes. Okay, go for it. Public transportation is quite the experience, uh, especially in large cities like New York City or San Francisco, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I, there's a few things. I don't like people who are, and uh, for some people it's genuine, but for others, I think they are purposely just trying to troll. But okay. people who are extra on the phone, like they are in, whether the bu- the bus or the um, the train is somewhat empty, there's not a lot of people, or whether it's really full, um, on either extreme, it's annoying when people are just very loud or like, uh-uh, 
And he said that, what? Uh-huh, <laughs> oh my gosh, we can hear everything. Everything. Well, I'm gonna beat his ass. And I'm just like, quiet. I'm like, sir no, or ma'am, I do not know you or him whose ass you will beat. So. Right, and it's like, well, I'm going to go to the bank and tell them that my routing number is blah, 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 blah. Like, they're giving all their personal information away. It's like, oh, 35 8th Street? What? It's just like, calm it down. Use your indoor voices. They can still hear you when you talk at a normal volume. You don't have to overcompensate. Yeah. Well, and I, I tend to be like, I don't want to hear you or talk to you, so please don't talk to me. Like if I'm on the train and I like, I certainly like, I have the luxury of having a car in the city. Um, I also don't go a ton of places in the city that require me to drive, but I am like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to even make eye contact with you. So, which means I certainly don't want to hear what you have to say about anything and don't ask me any questions. Like, let's all sit here and pretend like we don't see each other. How about that? Um, yeah. Well, it's, you know, the, what Amp set up for me if, is if I see, like, like young, like, junior high, high school, like, very specifically black kids do that. <laughs> and they're, like, they're in there, like, shucking and jiving, being all loud and extra. And I'm, like, well, and then I, there's the part of me that's, like, am I embarrassed about this? Like, what, what, are, what am I being, like, triggered is an overstatement of a word, but for lack of a better term. I was like, like, am I triggered by this? Am I trying to shame them and silence them as like young people of color so they can't use their voice? Or am I just generally annoyed by how loud these people are, regardless of what they look like and how they present to the world? So there's certainly a piece of me that's like annoyed on both ends, like with myself and like, am I, am I trying to police other people? Or do I just want to have like a quiet ride and not be gagged with all this loudness? I thought, yeah, you know, I kind of relate a little bit to the, yeah, you know, trigger being the operative word, but there is a little embarrassment when you see other Black people behave that way in public. Um, I don't want it to, I don't know, maybe it's a form of, I think uh, internal racism is a thing. Um, I think people struggle with that day to day Mm -hmm. when you feel that sense of embarrassment for other people um, that are making you look bad. but in the in the, it's a range. I know that that's a very direct uh, term. But I, if I think about it myself, I I think my head has gone there a little bit sometimes. Well, I I I suffer from like secondhand embarrassment a lot. Like I get really uncomfortable if somebody does something embarrassing or say something embarrassing, whether they know it. Like if it's to me, if I view it as embarrassing, then I get really uncomfortable for on behalf of other people. Not that I tell them that I'm uncomfortable for them, but I'll be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this happened. And this is like indifferent of like, if there are other black people, if, you know, like however they identify and show up in the world, like I, like I get secondhand embarrassed for people and I'm like, I want to crawl under the table for you and then with you because perhaps you don't realize what you're doing is embarrassing. So yeah, I have that real strong like gut piece of like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. You've got to be embarrassed because I feel uncomfortable. Uh, what's your opinion of um, performers on the BART or the Muni? Um, as long as they, like, I think it's fine. As long as they don't like get in my way or come asking me directly for money, like let me live. And if I want to give you something, then I will. But other than that, like, it's fine. Like I'm kind of indifferent. Yeah. I've actually heard some really good, like, musicians, performers in both um, in San Francisco and in New York the last time that I was there last uh, last summer. And then um, in Chicago as well, just on uh, the L, on and around the L stations. I've heard some really good stuff. Now, have I been compelled to give them my dollars? No. Um, but so long as they haven't, like, come up to me or they're not, like, grossly like asking for stuff or like trying to put a bucket in front of my face i'm kind of indifferent yeah that's my uh that's the key thing for me is just when they break that personal space and either start expecting things from you or talking to you because when i'm in a public environment i don't want to talk to people just leave me alone i'm Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get to my destination 
um i that's my same reaction to uh homeless people so Mm. i i'm not afraid to really admit this like yes we have an uh, issue with homelessness and uh for us who are privileged and with the people who don't have you know some people may think like we we owe them something but i don't (laughs) and i don't think this is ever going to get back to me in a negative way in terms of karma but um i'm a human you're a human i don't care how much money you have or you don't have still respect who i am and i will respect you and usually that that respectfulness is really ignoring you so don't you know invade my space um if you're going to ask for money do it in a kind way don't yell or um you know insult me like i've had homeless people if i re- reject if i kindly say no they'll call me a fag i'm just like what like get the fuck away you know mm-hmm. and i have um i don't know if any homeless person oh no i've been called names by homeless people um i was like have i ever and i was like yeah i have um I'm pretty sure I've been called the black bitch before. <laughs> I had somebody like low-key slightly follow me and call me that a few times. And I was like, sir, if you don't back the hell up. Um, but I, um, it depends on like the circumstance. If somebody approaches me, if they ask, and, I, and I'll say like, no, thank you. I don't have any cash, which is like 98% of the time I don't have cash because I just don't carry cash around. Um so I will say, you know, thank you, but, you know, God bless or something like that. Because that, for me, that feels like authentic and I, I, I don't wish them any additional hardship. Um, but I, I similarly want to be respected. But if somebody speaks to me, I'm certainly going to speak to them and I'll, and I'll do it in a polite way and I'll say, no, thank you. Um, even though they look at me, they're like, no, thank you. Um, if I'm feeling exceptionally like, um, like if my, <laughs> my, my hard heart is feeling soft on a given day or... Sometimes I'm a sucker for kids. I will go and buy somebody like a meal. I'm not giving you my coins, um, but like I'll go get you like a sandwich or a burger or something or like something to drink. That's not always the case, um, but I'm also good for really easily giving up like leftovers. Like if I have leftovers from somewhere I'll eat, like I will make sure that I intentionally take them with so I can give them to somebody who um, who either has a sign or like looks hungry. And if they don't want it, they'll say no. Um, but yeah, following, I've been certainly called names before um, and like slightly followed and called the same name several times. And I'm like, I wasn't even bothering you. Like, I tried to be polite and you made this messy. Agreed. One human, I, to, one human to another, like, really? <laughs> I like that approach. And um, I, yeah, I sometimes do that too with food. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I really enjoyed oh, I this. Yeah. Oh, you have another We're one? Not, okay. I have one more. We're so, like, close this out. okay. I have a, a pet peeve, or I don't know if it's a pet peeve or um, something petty, but I. So, you know, we all have like follow lots of people on social media, either Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, etc. Um, a pet peeve of mine is like folks who like all you see is their highlight reel and like there's not a level of vulnerability that's there and you know that they be going through shit and that I'm not I was talking about this to a friend the other day it's not that that it's like expose all of your like pain and all of your struggle and all of this thing but it, like if everything's like a braggy moment um that is that's a that's a put off to me because I'm like everybody goes through stuff and I get like you see the highlight reel for the most part of people but the people that I on on social media but the people that I feel like uh, there's a connection to and I see their humanness are willing to like, you know, share when they're not having such a good day or that, you know, like they could use like positive thoughts or affirmations or energy or something like that. So I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's a pet peeve or if it, yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine. Cause I'm like, but we just, the other day you talked about how terrible, like everything was going and like, you really need some affirmation or whatever. But then that's the difference of me. Like for the most part, the people that I'm connected with, on some social media platforms are people that I actually know. It's not like anybody and their mom can like friend me on any piece of social media. Um, but yeah, I just find that to be like so inauthentic and so like braggy. And I just, I'm like, mm. I'm back, like you don't go through shit like the rest of us do. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I can see that. I, there's this, um, you know, people always curate and put uh, what yes. people, what they want people to see on social media. You know, mm -hmm. this, uh, now that we're on social media, I just thought of one. Um, so I use multiple platforms for my personal social media. Um, I stick to Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. I used to be on Twitter, but I'm more of just an observer now. I don't um, tweet as much as I did um, when I was in college. And um, I believe these things were built to communicate. Like each platform is known for what they do because we can communicate um, and consume news in different ways for each of these platforms. And so one of my pet peeves is when people use Facebook like it's Twitter. Like on Twitter, you, know, you, have, you have 100 and whatever characters and the frequency that you can tweet is fine. You can tweet every second. You can talk about boring shit, like things you're doing in the moment, or you can have a debate with someone. But mm -hmm. that is not how you use Facebook. I don't want to see going to the mall, you know, or um, you're like li <laughs> like live tweeting on Facebook. So let's say it's an award show or it's like a, a t uh, maybe it's scandal. And you're like giving your reaction every five seconds on Facebook. I'm like, turn the motherfucking Facebook off. That's yeah. not how you use it. It's it so annoying. Um, <laughs> and I know people can say, well, get off my Facebook. You don't have to watch. I'm not controlling it because it's popping up on my newsfeed and that's automatic. I yeah. guess I could block your ass, but just like know how to use your social media tools. If you want a live uh, comment on something that's happening, get a Twitter. That's what it's for. Yeah. I'm all about that. Um, I don't, those are the people that I normally will put on, um, what's that feature on, I know you can do it on Facebook, it's not, you like mute their stuff, so you don't unfriend them, and you don't unfollow, but you rarely if ever see their stuff, and I'm like, there's a whole list of people that are that for me, so I'm like, that's just how it's going to have to be, because I don't want to see you posting something every three minutes, like, I'm, I, I want to be your friend, and I know I'd love to know what's generally going on and what you're generally doing. But if you post like 20 times a day, I'm like, what else are you doing with your life? Seriously. Like, don't you have other stuff to do? How do you make a living? Unless like, is posting on Facebook a job? Because like, how do I sign up? Like, what's the application process? Um, or people who tweet all day. I'm like, this is all you do? Get a life. What kind of in-person connections are you having, if any? But yeah, I could go off on a whole bunch of things on like social media, but I yeah, shall not. I could, <laughs> I could go on <laughs> and on, um, but I think it's time for a break. Um, so we'll be right back. and bitch-ass boss of the week. Uh, Shabina, you want to go first? Yes, I do. So mine, I don't know that they're... They're both to a level of... One's a true bitch, and then the other one is just like a, um, a bit of a rant, if you will. And I, it'll make sense when I talk about it. So the first one... Um, so this is... I was scrolling through the interwebs, um, specifically Twitter, and came across an artic article from Gothamist. Um, that was posted by Bim from BuzzFeed. And it's about this guy, um, stories about this guy from New York whose name is, um, was Robert Moses, because I believe he is deceased now and has been for some time. And he uh, essentially was not an elected official, but really um, was influential in how um, the city of New York was shaped to be unkind to people of color and to marginalized people. And so, uh, and I'll just read a little bit of the passage from that article. Um, again, it's from the Gothamist, and we'll put the the, the um, link in the show notes. Uh, let's see. It says, and I'm just going to quote the guy who wrote it, Robert Carroll. I remember his aide, Sid Shapiro, who I spent a lot of time getting to talk to. He finally talked to me. And he had this quote that I've never forgotten. He said, Moses didn't want poor people, poor people, particularly poor people of color, to use Jones Beach. Jones Beach is a beach in New York. 
So they had legislation passed forbidding the use of buses on parkways. Then he had this quote, and I can still hear him saying it to me. Legislation can always be changed. It's very hard to tear down a bridge once it's up. So he built 180 um, or so bridges too low for buses to go under so that um, people who relied. And basically the way that you got there is if you had a car or if you wrote if you had to ride the bus. And at this time when all those bridges were being built, like black folks and folks of color did not have cars. So the only way for them to have, to be able to get to these beaches was to get on the bus, but the bridge was too low for the buses to go under. Um, and so that was, um, and it really like gave me pause of like how intentional, like discrimination, racism, um, uh, keeping marginalized groups out of spaces that people want to look and feel and be a certain way. Um, the article was uh, good. You have to kind of follow it a little bit, but uh, it's based on the book called The Power Broker, which I'm certainly going to uh, buy and then read. But it just talks about just generally like how that is something that is shaped in terms of urban landscapes across the U.S. of keeping certain people out of certain spaces. So while the laws and whatnot may change, like the structure of how you build a city and what what is near this and what is near that or what subways go to this way or what train stations or bus routes can go this way, um, like literally making it inaccessible structurally so that the people who, that they don't want to have access to it won't have access systemically. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Yeah, um, that's really. The whole thing was like, really fucked up and like they're not gonna all of a sudden tear down like bridges and like rebuild them so that buses can fit um but there have been like if you look over the course of time even the way that like big rigs are built like big rig trucks like a pepsi truck or something like that they are they're they're essentially like low rider pepsi trucks so that they can get to places like this jones beach jones beach is just one example um but there, there have been some levels of society where things have been adjusted to um, kind of circumvent the institutionalized um, oppression that people faced. So I was just really fascinated by the article. Um, and I was like, wow, this, this was a person who had a job. He was not an elected official. And he knew that as an elected official, he wouldn't be able to, you know, be openly oppressive, if that makes sense. Although lots of people who are elected officials are op- openly oppressive. Um, so I was just fascinated by that whole thing and, and really sad as I look around, as I think of like, okay, where, where we live, you know, in a major city, like what are the ways that are inaccessible that are not going to just, they're not just going to send a bus route there. So I think, so think of some neighborhoods where it, it takes you an hour to get, you know, there on a bus when in a car, it's like 12 minutes, but the bus route is so all over the place. So just thinking how about how insidious people have been to marginalized groups like blew my mind. That and fuck Robert Moses for, you know, kind of starting this stuff. So all that to circle around, that's the bitch of the week. But again, we'll include the notes in there. So I was just like, damn, the lengths that people went to to oppress other people, like probably not fully realizing that this was still going to be a problem, but also like low key realizing like this is going to take, nobody's going to tear down a hundred bridges so that people can have access to this beach. So I was just floored and fascinated and also at the same time, really disgusted by what I was reading. So it's a good read. I'm hoping to get the book and kind of look at some of this um, from like an urban structural setup uh, soon. Uh, any thoughts on that besides damn, it's fucked up? Uh, no, I mean, I, <laughs> um, no, I agree with you. It's very fascinating. I had not heard about this before. Me neither. And I'm like, ugh, the more you know. More you um, know. And then the other one that I have, um, I've been doing, doing a lot of reading lately. Uh, this is an article from The Atlantic. Again, we'll have it in the show notes. Uh, the title of the article is My Family Slave. It's been making its rounds around. Um, uh, Facebook, I've seen it uh, uh, talked about on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and it's basically the very short version of the story is that 
there was a family that I believe was in the Philippines. Um, and the, the article is long, so don't think you're going to get a quick read like on a, a short bus ride. It is long. Um, they and this was like the 40s and 50s. They end up the husband, the original husband. This will make sense when you read it. Uh, essentially, got a a young woman as a gift to his wife. So basically, to be her quote unquote maid and servant. Um, you learn throughout the course of that course of the story what that means. Um, but they ended up as a family coming over to the United States and kind of being in the Seattle area and moving around um, the Western part of the U.S. And just the dynamics in the relationship and the author of it was a baby when this woman, um, I guess, I don't want to see even say came on board because it's not like she was like hired. Yeah, yeah. But uh, basically she, Lola is the name of the older Filipino woman and the guy who wrote the article was a baby when she started to live with their family. And it kind of, from his vantage point, how he saw, like, as he got older, how they treated Lola and what Lola's role was in this whole um, situation. So it's, it's really fascinating, but it's also, it was really sad uh, because there was a point at which you're like, I want Lola to like leave this family, but she, you know, has many skill sets, but how do you translate that when you don't, you didn't go to school, you don't speak the, you don't speak English because you're in the U.S. and that's where they were, like English was the primary language that was spoken. Um, mm. And the shit that Lola had to put up with, it was, it was really sad. Like I found myself like, although sometimes I can be a, a, a bit um, lacking in the emotion department, it was really sad to see that story unfold and how Lola like felt like she couldn't leave because there was nowhere to go. And these people were just really unkind to her just to, to um, be general about it. Um, unkind bitches, assholes. Um, but then I think of the resilience and the, the, the strength and power of women of color, like even in the, this type of circumstance or in the worst of circumstances, like still like making it. And I wouldn't say, I don't know that I would say she was thriving um, or even persisting, but she was living. Um, and so she knew at least how to survive that in like really dark and difficult times, which just brought me to the point of like, it's so important that we as humans on this earth, and this, this may sound a little preachy, but whatever, like we have to like be committed and pay attention to treating people well, like period, like no, and I'm not saying bend over backwards and do everything for people and like not take care of yourself. Um, but so often we treat life as this game. Um, and we try to play it and like play other people and it's all competitive and that's not what it's about. Like, wow. I see so much of this about staying in your lane, treat people as humans and be aware of the behavior. And if you fuck up, you mess up, like you own that and you work to accept responsibility and adjust. Like people are going to make mistake mistakes. It is going to happen. There's no getting around that. And you still have the ability to rebound and come back from that. And maybe you won't get the response from people that you that you want or you hope that they will be so forgiving and gracious, even though you were a butthole and like in the process of it. But you got to realize and then that becomes about that other person um, yeah. and what the responsibility I think for me, I think of the responsibility for myself. Um, I have to be able to at some point be OK with my soul being healed over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this person may not be. Um, they may not accept my apology now or ever, but at the end of the day, I have to know that I put my, my, my foot forward to try to be better and try to do better by other people. So, which it's, it takes a lot of like, we can call it grit. We can call it resilience. We can call it a whole lot of other things, but really be kind to people. There's, there's not really a reason to not be kind to people. So, which is an easy, easy thing to say. Um, it's a, it can be a far more difficult thing to enact and to do, but we all have that choice to do that, be that in the face of whatever comes our way. But it was just such a profound story. And it made me think like, ugh, why weren't people just kind? Like, why are people mean? Um, oftentimes for no reason, like they're going through their own stuff and they're shitting on other people as a result of that. But we have a choice in all of those things. And I know we talked about choice a few episodes ago, but we have a choice in these things to do well by other people. Um, some of it, you can see it as a karma thing, but treat people well. End of rant. I agree. I mean, life is not a game. There are actual consequences. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. 
Yeah, so um, it, both of those were really fascinating stories. Two very different stories. <laughs> so um, lots to think about, but I was just floored by both of them. Like, yeah. So um, <laughs> mine are very different and a little um, petty. No, not, okay. not petty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have one bitch and one boss. Um, I'll start with the bitch. Uh, have you heard of this new social media campaign um, for the romper, the female yes. romper? Yes. Also known as Romp Him. Yes. Uh, and so it's a bunch of these affluent, white, straight kind of guys, bro guys, um, who started a Kickstarter to um, propose this new clothing line. Um, I'd seen it everywhere online. Um, <laughs> people are going going hard on them because it's a ridiculous idea. Um, I, I don't, I'm not reading them for, because um, um, of the idea, but I'm reading them for the fact that, wh why do you need to do a Kickstarter just to start a, a clothing line? Uh, question for the ages. Right? I mean, if, and mind you, men have been doing this for a while. It's just sometimes when you get white people in a room and they Columbus things, they'll say, you know what? Mm. Let's have this great idea. We have this great idea. It's original. It's new. Um, and let's sell it to the masses. And we're over here like, girl, we've been doing this for a while now. Right? Yeah, the co-opting. Of, yeah. Right. So it's cute. I love it. I, I love any kind of clothing that supports uh, gender gender neutrality. Um, but sometimes the way we go about new trends and we as in society um, mm -hmm. comes from a very privileged area. So mm -hmm. such as these white men who uh, probably just got drunk and high one night and said this would be a great business idea, you know? Um, yeah. So many of these are like beget. They are like eventually exposed, and usually doesn't take very long for these things to be exposed. Um, exposed as like not their original idea, but right. they were the ones who sat down and like did the Kickstarter or the GoFundMe or whatever. Right. They should have learned their lesson from TLC. Okay. Really. Really. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, and my boss ass of this week, um, Shmina, I know you're not done watching Scandal. I'm not going to spoil it, but um, it was a two-part episode, or a two-part finale, and Mama Pope is back. Oh, yes, I knew and, that. Right. Candy Alexander, she is a phenomenal actress. And I also have to, you know, give my praise to Shonda because she's the mastermind behind all the writing and what these characters are saying. So Mama Pope is in her jail cell. And she's just talking to herself, like literally going crazy, just whispering, talking, screaming at the walls, trying to get attention. And she seamlessly goes into this very long speech as Shonda lo loves to do in her shows, mm -hmm. uh, and starts talking about being a black woman, starts talking about feminism, talks about race relations and um, what <coughs> women are expected to do what the, versus what they should do. And she says it in this very contrived, almost like demonic way. And you have to remind yourself, wait, she's actually speaking truth here. She's not crazy. Um, so when you see that scene, I, I know you're going to, like, stand for it. But I just love Shonda and Candy. Like, phenomenal. Uh, is it like a Papa Pope-esque? Where you just sit there and you're just like, damn, what just happened? Yes. Is it one of those? It's one of those, right. Okay, okay. Um, and it cuts to commercial, so you have time to process. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I'm looking forward to it. Somebody actually tagged me in online and probably that. And I was like, I can't watch it yet because I haven't seen the full episode. But there was an element of uh, Black Girl Magic in there. So I was like, but I can't watch it yet because I haven't seen the episode. So I don't have any context. So I just kind of like saved it. And then I'll, I'll be able to like go back and read the comments from the post that I was tagged in. Right, right. So, um, 
But I am, uh, so on the Shonda Rhimes note, kind of. Did you get the, um, she had posted something, I think maybe on Twitter or Facebook that was like, yes, it's true. And then it was like, sign up for my, like it was some sort of online newsletter, like Shondaland.com. Um, no, I don't think I saw that. Okay, I I'm literally think it's Shondaland.com. And there was nothing on the webpage except like it said coming soon. And I'm thinking, you know how many thousands of people who signed up for that, not knowing shit about what Shonda was going to put out? Just mm. because she's Shonda Rhimes. Um, right. Yes. And of course I signed up for it. Um, of and she sent out a, a first email the other day and it is good. I'm not going to share anything about it because sign up for the whatchamacallit. I'll forward it to you. But I was like, all right. All right. I'm here for this. So, um, I mean, similar to Beyonce, like um, none of us wanted title, but we registered for it anyway because we wanted the album. So, right. Well, there was a um, <laughs> there's a meme somewhere that was like every time something drops from Beyonce on title. Who was it? It was oh, it was Vivica Fox. And it was like six different pictures in each one. She was supposed to be a different person because she had on a different wig. <laughs> For every time that uh, Beyonce has dropped something, you have to like sign up for a new trial, but you have to get it. I don't want to say you have to get a new email address, but you know what I mean. Um, I know. But it was. <laughs> oh, gee. Loki, I think that she, by the time like this comes out, I feel like she will have had the twins. I'm just saying. It's, it's getting right to the wire. And she also has been on, uh, she hasn't been posting pictures of herself. For the past couple of weeks, so yeah. maybe she's on true that true uh, bed rest before the twins arrive. I don't know, but there was this whole thing that I've been seeing floating around with her at their. Um, it wasn't a baby shower, but it was something else because Beyonce doesn't really need a baby shower. Hello, um, I can't remember what it was, but it was some drone footage, and she looked huge. And like Kelly was there, Lala was there, um, Michelle, Tina, of course, or Miss Tina. Uh, but she looked huge. But I wonder how, like, if she was like, y'all don't release this until I tell you to release this. The twins will be a month old before anybody knows. <laughs> Most likely. Yeah, the twins are probably like three, but yep. um, we just don't know it yet. All right. So I think that concludes our episode for this week. Yay, number 22. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as usual um, I'll leave you with some uh, clip notes um, please follow us on Facebook Twitter um, and um, yeah Facebook and Twitter I, I always feel like I need to say more but that's all yeah. there is <laughs> I was like if you have another one by all means share it Right. Uh, interact with us, uh, write us reviews um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud Google Play or Stitcher and um, yeah just tell us how we're doing do you have anything for us Shamina? No, I don't. Treat people well. That seems to be my theme as of right now. Treat people well. All right. Peace.